Hey guys, this is Kyle Klammer. And this is Zach Welch. And this is Good Life Bow Hunter, official podcast of the NBA. That it is. Here we are, man, back first part of June. Been a little while since we got one out. Uh had a kind of some I guess uh well we've been back and forth with a couple guests we we're wanting to get on. Hopefully we'll be able to get them on here in the next couple of weeks. At least yeah. I know of for sure. It's just been kinda kind of uh hit and miss on that i think guys are busy and you know yep, it's either it's either we have something going on and they don't or they have something going on and we don't so yeah we yep. decided to sit down and thought we'd record one in the meantime while we wait to get our scheduling issues figured out so yeah absolutely i think we got some got some things to talk about today anyhow at least to get something uh something put out there and hopefully people can at least take take something away from this anyhow but oh yeah <laughs> i That's guess we'll nice. <laughs> um yeah i guess before we get started you want to just uh quick rundown of uh nba stuff i mean really there's only one main thing to talk about but just go ahead man yeah one main thing is halsey is august 5th through 8th should that would be the thursday friday saturday uh, Sunday, I guess. Um, so that's set. Looking at just under two months away. So already looking at that coming right up on us. Yeah, man, can't believe it's only two months away already. <laughs> I know it's crazy. Yeah, I was well last week. I was thinking, oh, I guess I guess turkey season's over. So <laughs> just, that just kind of got away from me a little bit. But yeah, exactly. It's like. And you blink and it's already June and yeah, hopes time flies. But yeah, man, yeah, and I know we've said this a lot on here, but you know, I I just uh, people definitely need to get down and and uh, you know check out the jamboree if you've never been or you know obviously if you if you've been a regular and maybe didn't go last year or whatever like you know I think obviously things have changed pretty significantly in that time frame so definitely want everybody there and want everybody to have a good time. And, um, I think, uh, I mean, Eric's the chair this year, right? Eric and, uh, sorry, it's escaping me. Um, Eric and Nate, I believe. Yep. That's right. Um, so they'll be, I think they got a lot of pretty cool stuff, maybe some new things planned, some new ideas. And so, you know, it just, yeah, it sounds like you're going to try a few new things. So I think, uh, people who have even been there in years past will find their things will look a little different this year in a good way. Yeah. Uh, be some more activities for kids and stuff and yep. maybe a few more things to do. So, yeah. Um, yeah, no, definitely look, uh, keep an eye out in your NBA newsletter for, I think there's one, did they just send one out? Uh, I, I think they just sent one out and then, uh, there'll be one more. I think no. forget what the deadline is. I think the deadline might be June fifteenth for the next one. Okay. Okay. So sure we'll we'll probably have this out before then. So if you have anything you want to submit, I I don't quote me on that, but I think it's June fifteenth. Um, yeah. Yeah, I was just thinking as far as uh yeah, definitely for submissions and stuff. The other thing I was thinking is if there was if they had put a bunch of stuff in about the jamboree, I haven't, I don't think I've looked at that one yet, but. Oh, I, I guess I haven't looked that close. Um, I know the next one for sure. will have probably everything finalized. So yeah, be looking forward in there. And of course the website and Facebook page, everything needs right there. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, I don't know if we've talked about this on here, Uh, just a quick plug. If you, well, obviously, if you're listening to this, you you know where to go. But <laughs> but if you need a, a a simpler way, if you do go to to our website, Nebraska Bowhunters is NebraskaBowhunters dot com, Nebraska Bowhunters Association. Yep, NebraskaBowhunters Association dot com. I think. Yep. Um, no, just just NebraskaBowhunters dot com. Okay, that's what I was saying. Yep. NebraskaBowhunters dot com. Um, there is a quick link there. You can click on our podcast page and stuff, and they've got a. a links to all the podcasting sites and everything you guys if you i mean like i said if you're listening to this right now you probably already know how to do all that but um but if you wanted an easier way to check it out that's uh something to consider um but yeah 
anyhow, I guess maybe we'll jump right into things that we were, Zach and I were talking earlier today, just, you know, about what to talk about. We're kind of in between things here. And, you know, I think, you know, honestly, this is probably one of the most important times of the year, um, you know, really to, to think about getting ready for this fall and, um, you know, staying sharp, not, not, uh, you know, it's pretty easy to hang the bow up for a couple months and, uh, you know, bust it out again in August and see how it goes. But, um, but I think, you know, you, you, you know, I, I think about, uh, you know, you just by continuing to shoot and just continuing, just getting that memory, muscle memory, just all the time, just keeping that going. I think that makes a huge difference. And, um, so I know you've been to a couple of shoots already, Zach, you've been shooting quite a bit. Yeah, I have been, uh, you know, I, since moving out here for this clinical rotation, I haven't been able to shoot every single day like I like to, but I've definitely uh, had the opportunity to shoot some different ranges around here and get to shoot at some angles and just some, you know, different terrain and type of, type of stuff like that. So that's definitely been beneficial for shooting, but I'll just touch on what you said earlier, how important this time of year is, you know, it seems like when Turkey season's over and June 1st hits, people kind of just sit there and, look at the calendar and cross off days, wait until the fall to come. And they're missing some of the most critical time because now's the time if you're going to make any adjustments, any tweaking, you know, if there's anything, I don't care how good you are here. You, so there can be something that you worked on from last season that you want to improve on. And now's the time to do it. Now's the time to try something new. You know, this is the, you know, eight, 10 weeks you got before season opens to where you can really, really improve you know so i i can't you know once again this this time of year is so critical it's so important and there's a lot of stuff i think we can talk about as far as shooting and getting in shape and stuff but uh but no i agree i at this time of year i'm not a big fan of it because there's not a lot of not to hunt but there's so much that you can do to to improve on you know that's all part of the process and the journey yeah yeah man no i mean just shooting you know, trying to shoot every day, I think just pays so many dividends, um, you know, in the field, in the fall, and even through the winter, springtime. Um, you know, I just, I, I think about, you know, I'll, I'll be the first to admit, I mean, I used to be one of those guys that I, I was pretty guilty of like, oh, you know, it's August 1st, I guess I better, you know, or it's like, oh, it's uh, three days before the jamboree. I better pull my bow out and start yeah. shooting again, you know, like <laughs> just like that kind of deal. And, and uh, you know, I've kind of changed my, my philosophy and thought process the past, I don't know, maybe five, ten years or so. I mean, it was – admittedly, it was a little bit difficult in, you know, in med school and residency and stuff, but I still tried to shoot as much as I could. But sometimes, you know, you know how it goes when you're on rotations and stuff. Just yeah. But but I just, you know, I, I, I just noticed though, you know, you know, I mean, I just, it's just a part of every day, you know, it's just like a part of my life. It just, I just, that's something I do. It's just like, um, you know, just like trying to exercise or whatever, like, you know, we'll talk about that too, I think here in a minute, but, um, and, you know, not just shooting too, but, you know, I did, I listened to a podcast a while back. Um, I don't know if you listen to this one or not, Zach. It's a, one of the meat eater guys, Remy Warren. He's got a podcast called Cutting the Distance. Oh yeah, he's got some and, good. Uh, yeah, he was talking about there was there was one episode he was talking about different like shooting, not just shooting, but shooting in different ways. Like like he he does you know when he's preparing for for the fall and for hunts and things, he he has some really good. Uh, I may have actually put a plug in on this on a different podcast we did, but anyways, um, you know, he talks about a few different things to do. One that really stuck out in my mind was he'll, uh, he'll do a, well, there was two, I guess. One was he'll basically, um, pull back and hold his bow as long as he possibly can. Um, and then still try to make, a good shot in other words like, yeah. like to, to to basically get his muscles to the point where they're fatigued um and then still follow through execute the shot do the best that you can 
um, you know, simulating, you know, probably some real life. I mean, that, that's, that could be a real life situation. Yeah. But if you're at full draw on a, you know, six by six bull elk and he's staring you, you know, or he's, he's quartering to you behind a tree at five yards, you know, you're not going to let down. That's going to, you're going to be toast, you know, that, that elk's going to be gone. So, um, you know, that's kind of, I think one of the reasons he talked about doing that. And then the other one that really, uh, you know, he, he always talks about, uh, you know, when you, you know, we always, I'm super guilty of this, I know, but, you know, I'll go out in the backyard and I'm always just standing up shooting, you know, standing yeah. up shooting. And he always talked about he'll, he tries to get himself almost in the most uncomfortable position possible to try to try to shoot and still try to make a good shot doing that because he's, you know, he's always like, well, if I can make the shot doing that, you know, I can definitely make a shot standing up or, or kneeling down or, you know, or whatever sitting or whatever it may be. And so, um, so he'll kind of do like a, almost like a half crouch shot, you know, like where he's sort of off balance and trying to, you know, his legs are burning and he's trying to make the shot doing that. But anyways, you know, and obviously, you know, that that's, I mean, I think those are great. Um, you know, I think for just the, the average guy, those are probably, um, I don't want to say overkill cause I don't think they are, but you know, you know what I mean though? I mean, he's, he's somebody that's out in the mountains hunting, doing all that stuff like all the time where he's probably going to be in those positions where, you know, as a lot of us, uh, you know, we're probably going to be, you know, maybe we'll be tromping around the sand hills or Western Nebraska chasing antelope occasionally, but for the most part, we're going to be in a tree stand or, you know, ground blind sitting, waiting for deer, but. Um, but I still think those things could be valuable. So anyways, I just, oh, I, that, I, that podcast sticks out in my head. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree a hundred percent. You know, I, I've been thinking a lot of the same. How often are you, you know, squared up 20 yards, broadside, wide open, flat terrain shooting something? Very rarely. I mean, if, if ever, you know, you're always at an angle. Most oftentimes we're on our knees shooting and guys like you and me, Kyle, what I've found, you know, I, I know you've shot back tension. I, I've made the switch. When you start doing that and you switch up, you know, angles, shooting off your knees, it takes a different amount of pull for every situation you're in. And that, that goes for anything shooting, you know, you're, you're holding your bow different. You got to throw in, you know, your can, you got to make sure every little detail is just perfect. And, you know, the reality is you're not going to be there I'm not going to say a hundred percent, but more often than not, you're not going to be 20 yards flat ground, you know, squared up to your target. You got to be ready to shoot off your knees out of a tree, you know, off one knee, off an angle. Um, and, and, you know, you can say some of that's overkill like Remy, but if you practice the extremes, you know, you can justify the means Yeah, and you're yeah. just that much more prepared when the moment of truth comes. And not only that, also say shooting at distance i've i've found that a lot of guys won't practice it you know 60 70 80 yards because you know they just don't feel the need to and not only may okay maybe you don't shoot that far but i will tell you it makes a huge difference that if you practice you just sit back there and shoot groups at 60 and 70 when you walk up to 30 and 40 it feels like a cake shot it, yep. I mean, it does it it's something that i didn't really think would be that big of a difference maker but when you're practicing you know out past 40 yards consistently when you scoot in it feels like almost like subconscious where you can just make the shot yeah no and, uh, so that makes a huge difference you're absolutely correct man I, I think you know practicing at longer distances i think really really helps out um just for exactly the reason that you mentioned i mean it brings out it brings out exactly where you're flawed in shooting. Yeah. Because you might make a good shot at 20 yards, but you back out to 80 yards or 70 or 60, mm -hmm. um, and you make that same mistake. Your you know 20 yards might be a two inch miss, where at 70, 80, it's going to be two feet. So yeah. Yeah. you want to you want to figure out where you're flawed in your shooting or how good you really are back up and and. Uh, I highly recommend doing that because it's not going to do anything but help you. Yeah, no, for sure. And, you know, it is, it's honestly, it's just fun too. <laughs> it's, it is. It's just fun to shoot, you know, it just kind of, I don't know, there, there's something about it. And, and, you know, and like you said, you know, I mean, you know, you, you, you may, you know, you may not be comfortable shooting out that far at, at animals and that's fine. 
you know, if you are fine, I, you know, it, if you, if you're comfortable there, fine. If you're not, then, you know, it's still practicing out there. Is yeah, gonna be, still, still practicing out there. I guarantee if you keep doing it, you're going to improve. Yeah. I mean, groups are going to get better at 80. And when you scoot up to 20, it's going to be like, you can do it in your sleep. Yeah. And, uh, makes a lot of difference. Lee Lukowski, I know this is, this is definitely an extreme. Um, I don't know if I'd take it this far, but you know, I've heard at one point he practices at a hundred yards yeah. and he just consistently stands back there and just pounds arrows. Then when he shoots at 20, he can, I mean, it's like nothing to him. So I'm not saying to back up to a hundred yards, but that just proves a point to backing up way, you know, out past your comfort zone and getting comfortable with it. It's uh, going to make, it's going to pay off in dividends in the long run. So. Well, Cam Haynes too. I mean, I, I'm sure you've watched some of it. It's oh, yeah. where he's where he's got that that range. It must be obviously it's outside of town somewhere. I'm not sure what what it is, but uh, yeah, he's got all his targets set up and feedback. Shooting like shooting like 160, 200 yards, <laughs> 160 man. yards or something. But I, I don't have that kind of money. To hitting the target. That. That's that's the crazy thing. Is yeah, he, he's he's quite the guy, man. Um, yeah, you want to talk about somebody that lives for for June and July right now? That guy mm-hmm. lives for this time of year. <laughs> like, oh yeah, he's just like, I mean, he 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 lives for elk hunting. Obviously, that's that's like his number one thing. I I know, but but uh, but man, he he just loves this this all the training and the and oh man, this is and everything. This is yeah, this is where he's going hard right now, putting on a lot of miles and. Yep. Some pretty ridiculous stuff. Yeah. Yeah, man. Speaking of miles, uh, you know, I think something we we talked about this morning when we were chatting too, uh, as we were sort of preparing for this is just, you know, trying to stay in shape. Um, you know, I, I think, uh, and, and what I mean by that, I guess I, I kind of wanted as, as I was, after we had talked, I was kind of thinking about it and, um, and, you know, I think there's kind of two, two thought processes that go through people's heads. You know, number one is, uh, you know, maybe somebody's going to, <clears throat> well, for instance, like last year, you know, I was going to Idaho, going elk hunting, you know, and uh, so, I mean, I was just working my butt off, like running every day, trying to just get in super good shape and blah, 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 and this and that. And, um, and you know, obviously, you know, it ended up working out and everything. And, and I don't know that that particularly had the most uh to play in it but i certainly think it, it definitely definitely didn't hurt um but the other thing about that too i was thinking about was um you know even if you're just gonna be like uh you know even if you're planning to just sit in a tree stand in the fall like you know just be in good shape like i mean it, it, i think that it, it just pays so many dividends on so many levels for you as a as a hunter you know i mean if you, you know, if you're walking to your stand in the morning, like you're not getting winded, like you're not sweating your butt off, like you're not, you know, or, or if you're, you know, just being strong, like being uh, flexible, agile, you know, you're able to put yourself in better positions. Maybe you're, you know, you're, you're stalking something and you're, you need to make a play on them. You're running up to the next hill. Like, you know, you got to be ready to go. Like you can't, can't stop and take a 10 minute break at the top of the hill, you know, because you can't shoot. Um, and so I, and I think it's just so important. And I, and I know that, I know that you agree with that. And I think most people would Zach. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. That's, I think we were just, we were talking about that earlier. And so those are a couple of thoughts I had. But. <laughs> no, I agree. I, I feel like there's, you know, a couple of different ways you can run with, we can run with this fitness thing. And first off, like you said, you're sitting in the stand, um, you know, hunting whitetails in the Midwest, I understand you don't need to be in good shape for that. You know, it's, Hey Kyle, just a second. Yeah. You might have to pause. Yep. Sorry, a little, little interruption there, but like I said, there's a couple different ways you can run with this, you know, getting in shape and training for, um, hunting season. First off, like I, like I said before, uh, had a little pause there. I'm trying to think where I was at. Um, so yeah if you're sitting in a tree stand i understand you don't need to be in good shape you know joe schmo who's never worked out a day in his life 
could probably go get in a tree stand and kill a white-tailed deer without training. I get that. Um, but I have never heard someone say that, oh, man, I wish I didn't work out or get in shape. If you don't do it for yourself this fall, do it for yourself in 20 years. Look at it that way. Um, the better physical health you have, the more years of bow hunting you're probably going to have. Um, so that's one way you can go with it. Um, whether or not you want to go work out, you know, get in a tree stand or not, it might not make that big of a deal. But you start talking spot and stock in these other hunts, it's going to be a difference maker, whether you want to believe it or not. Um, that's all there is to it. I'm not saying you have to be Cameron Haynes and go run a marathon a day. That's a little bit of overkill. I'm not going to bash the guy for it. That's how what he lives for. Good for him. Um, but bottom line is if you're going to go out west, if you're going to go spot and stock, um, being in physical shape is a factor in a hunt, whether any way you want to argue it. Um, it I guarantee you it's going to, you're going to be able to go harder. You're going to be able to push farther. Um, that's that's the bottom line. Now, as far as specific type of training, I'm sorry, but bicep curls do not get you in hunting shape. Um, they might they might help if you're trying to lose some weight before you go out west, or whether you want to go on a hunt, might help you pack on some muscle and stuff. But uh, what you want to do, I guess, I mean, Kyle, you can speak on this. Going out to Idaho, it's definitely hard for us in Nebraska. But um, nothing's going to translate to the mountains more than putting a pack on your back and hiking up and down elevation on uneven terrain. There's, I mean, practice what you're going to do. Um, unfortunately for us in Nebraska, that's kind of hard. Um, running does definitely help. Um, I, think it, I think at the end of the day what it boils down to is mental toughness. And that's just – you know, you're going to get that from just putting in miles day in and day out after work, you know, before work, doing the things you don't want to do every day in the gym in order to get your mind ready. Um, yeah, physical shape is important, but with that, you're going to build some mental toughness and, and, uh, tell you what the body will do what the mind tells it. So I just say, like I said, there's so many different ways you can do it, but at the end of the day, I'd say just do something that sucks every day that's gonna get you in better shape and, yeah. and get you ready between the ears because when it comes down to it that's what it's gonna come come to in the mountains but one of my uh one of my favorite phrases when talking about like you know being in shape and getting in shape is is uh um and this is just stuck with me and i think about it you know every time i think about oh you yeah, know some training program or something and then it just like pops in my head it's uh legs and lungs man mm -hmm. that's, what that's what gets you around in the mountains i think that was a steven ranella phrase Le legs and lungs and legs and lungs man that's, that's I, what think, <laughs> I think i heard on the elk talk podcast one time is biceps don't kill bulls and by by no means am i am i bashing no. one no. who does that because guess what two hands up right here when yeah. i go to the gym i i do that kind of stuff but you know, it does, when you want to talk about getting ready for the mountains, you want to do something that's going to translate, yeah. um, you know, as, you know, make it function, making it functionable, make it so it's applicable when you go out to the mountains, strap on a pack, hike at elevation. I remember you pushing around your stroller with your, oh, yeah. was, it, was your strong glacier pack on last year? It's like, yeah, yeah. you know what, you, you yeah. can, uh, you can make fun of the guys strapping on a pack and pushing their kid around in the stroller, you know what? It's probably doing more than going to the gym and throwing some weights around with your music cranked up. Yeah. Um, I, I threw 50 pounds in my pack and we'd go for a walk in the stroller. Or the other thing I did was my, I have a big yard and uh, I, I just still use a push mower. I freaking throw my 50 pound pack on. I'd mow my yard. It was like, I mean, my yard, it's like six miles by the time I get done. Absolutely. Yep. Or so. Yep. Put on, put on miles, <laughs> put, put on miles and uh, put on weight because you're going to be carrying that pack around all day, every day. Yep. Uh, so you better get, better get comfortable with it and better get used to it. And uh, not only that, but I think losing weight just overall can help. I mean, you're talking about taking what, what would you say on an average day of an elk? How many steps would you say 20, 30,000? Yeah. I mean, you figure. Yeah. 
say you're averaging 10 miles a day, okay, whatever a stride is, yeah. um, okay, multiply that, whatever. Uh, every step you take, I mean, even if you're 10 pounds overweight, think about how much more you're stressing your bones and joints and everything. I mean, it's, yeah. it's something you see even in, and you know, you know, you're a, you're a healthcare worker. You see what, what can happen when somebody's even 10 pounds overweight. I mean, it's just more stress on your legs and it's like carrying an extra 10 pounds on your back. If you lose that and go to the mountains, you're going to feel so much better. Yeah. Um, well, I never hear about them saying, Oh man, I this, I'm really feeling this extra 10 pounds of that I'm carrying around. I usually hear about it when I'm like, holy cow, I lost 20 pounds. I can't believe how much better I feel. Well, I feel so like, much more amazing, so much more agile, can go further. No, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, I, I think you could go on for fitness for forever. You could have a whole podcast on it. But at the end of the day, what it comes down to, have your legs and your lungs ready. Lose that extra weight before fall and do something every day that you probably don't want to do well. I know getting off work sucks and going and working out, but that's going to just get you that much more ready between the years when time comes. And, and uh, you know, I, I just look at it as it's all part of the journey, you know, the process that you go through to, to get ready for a big hunt. I look at you last year running all those miles, you know, times I'd call you or pushing your baby in the stroller with the pack on your back or something like that. It's like, it's all part of the process. When you look back on it and you punch your tag, you're, I don't think anyone ever says, oh, man, I wish I had not worked so hard. Yeah. Um, if anything, it's going to help you. Just do it. It helps the time go faster. It gets you in shape. You don't want to be doubting your physical ability when you step foot in the mountains. You want to control everything that you can. And uh, physical fitness, that's, you know, one of the few things that, you know, you can put in the work to make a difference in. So, yeah. No, man. Yeah, I think uh... – I remember who that it was I know I've heard it before it's it's more of just a generic phrase but I know I've heard multiple guys say it. it's just you know control the things that you can control you know um you know you can you can control how good you're going to shoot you can control how you know how your physical fitness is like those are two things that you can you know that are very easy I mean not easy but they're not easy to do but they're easy to you know, have a plan and commit to and, and do those things to, to make yourself a better hunter, to make yourself, uh, you know, just be, uh, in the, in the game, I guess, so to speak, you know, it's just, uh, um, I don't know. It, it, it they're just essential things, you know, when you're thinking yeah. about getting ready for the fall and, um, yeah, I don't know, man. I, yeah, it's email jazzed up. I feel like I need to go for a run or something now. Or, no, no, no. <laughs> or go shoot my bow or something. But um, yeah, you know, just kind of I'm backtracking just a little bit, but you know, we were sort of talking about uh, um, you know making tweaks and things. And you know, you and I had talked about earlier today. You know, I, I uh, this year I'm going to try a just a stabilizer. Um, on the back too because you know I've seen a lot of guys more and more guys are shooting that and um, you know because I think it just it balances the bow out a little bit better and you know I, I did I got a new bow this year and so I, I have noticed that it's it's just a little bit different it's it's it seems to be a little bit more top heavy it's a little longer um, so it gets not too surprising that it's a little more top heavy and so you know I'm gonna gonna give that a try but you know like you said like this is the time of year to do that stuff like you know august yeah. 15th is not the time to be doing this stuff you know oh, exactly right if you're yeah. gonna make the change to your equipment do it now because you don't want any surprises come on yep come or like last day. year you know starting the the back tension you know or the shooting the hinge release you know i basically got that committed to that all summer and yep that's a several month process there. right there yep yep, yep. So, yeah, you made that switch too, huh? <laughs> yep. Yeah. yeah. It was kind of a journey for you too, I guess. It's... Well, I'm looking at my calendar here. Here we are about oh, about three months later and finally yeah. starting to get it figured out. And it's like thought I had it in the first couple of weeks and boy, was I wrong. Yeah. Because you were but, using a resistance first, right? And then you switched over to a hinge. Is that right? No, I'm still with the resistance. resistance. Gotcha. Still yeah. with it. It just... I thought I had it figured out, took it into Turkey and figured out I didn't, but now it's, uh, and 
that's that's a several thousand shot process there that yeah yeah i'm sure i don't know i don't know how many thousands of arrows it takes but uh it's not an overnight thing so i don't recommend starting it right now if you're wanting to hunt september 1st probably if you ever get on it yeah pretty sure yeah no i mean like i said definitely this is the time of year to be doing that stuff um yeah what else were we going to talk about i think uh as far as just like personal stuff i think sort of that was kind of the gist i I did uh i think we were going to maybe touch on uh i'm just trying to get up here get down (laughs) um we were going to talk about i guess it's getting up here um you know this kind of i mean i know we've done a whole podcast on this stuff but you know right now i'm kind of full and swing of things is like i just put some trail cams out last weekend and um you know i've actually i sprayed a field and i'm gonna get a food plot put in uh um put in this next week here and so um we've already got a couple that you know were uh, perennial plots that are that did actually come back thankfully so that's good (laughs) but uh yeah, and then I know we had some. Actually, we planted some rye last fall in this other field, and that uh, didn't germinate at all last fall because we never got any rain. But um, but it did finally. It actually germinated this spring, which um, and it all it, it is coming in pretty good. So it's all exciting, and you know I, I think one thing to keep in mind, you know, I, I see a lot of. Uh, um, and I don't want to. I don't want to step on anybody's toes with this. So I won't say too much, but, you know, I think the thing to keep in mind too with uh, just food plots and things is just think about diversity on the landscape and like, um, you know, anything that's going to benefit other, other wildlife is going to benefit deer and vice versa. Anything that's going to benefit deer is going to benefit other wildlife. And so, you know, I think about, uh, you know, for instance, like we, you know, we've got one patch, one little food plot that's just like basically all clover. It's got a couple few turnips and different things in it. And another one's got, you know, a big a blend of stuff like some chicory, orchard grass, some um some alfalfa, different clovers, and then we've got a big rye field, you know, and so and then I'm planting the, this upland mix. I'm gonna plant some of that this next uh um uh, on on next Thursday here and then um we've also got another another Plot, just a little strip that I'm going to put in that's got some like sorghum and millet and, and a few other things just to kind of you know I think just giving the deer a lot of different options and, and different things and um, you know I think maybe that you know I don't know how much of a difference it makes but I think it certainly gives them options and you know especially like later in the year if they have if we you know I know we live in Nebraska so typically we don't have super hard winters but this last winter was you know we had a lot of cold temperatures there and so i think it just gives them some some options and and just you know gives them gives you options too as far as as hunting i mean i think uh, absolutely i mean even even uh like you said having that diversity you got several options to pick from throughout the season and stuff in september um it's good isn't going to be good when november december rolls around so having that diversity of crops that you know you can hunt throughout the season is uh it's critical i'm you know, just planting soybeans rye you know crops for early season crops for late season it's going to hold your deer there and give them nutrition through the winter um yeah just planting all kinds of stuff to meet the needs for the deer through each stage throughout the season because um it's going to change you know their needs are going to change from september to december so yeah. it's all about finding you know what works for, for the ground that you have, you know, the soil types and that, to what's going to supply the deer with what they need for that time of the year. So. Yep. Yep. You guys do a lot of rye, don't you, Zach? Or I think that's. We, we do. Yeah. We, so rye works really well for where we're at. Um, and it's worked really well for us. It's something that, you know, it's coming up and we disc it in in August and by, you know, get a good rain on it. It's coming up decent a few weeks later and yeah. they, early season you know it it works the deer really hit it but we plant soybeans also yeah and the deer really seem to like those um but the rye really when you hit you know november december and even in october it's really good um but i mean even after that first frost and some of the other stuff 
kind of dies that just you know pasture grass and stuff it stays green so the deer really seem to hit that um so yeah it's something that's worked really well for us we continue to use it but uh we're looking also to try some different stuff too um i think uh soybeans we really we we did those last year um hopefully we can plant a little more of them this year because the deer really seem to like them down there yeah yeah do you uh you guys use a drill or just kind of broadcast spread well, we, we just broadcast it um thinking uh we've talked about you know using a drill it really make a huge difference for us um we could definitely get a better stand with it but just don't have that option right now um but broadcasting worked just fine for us last year so soon we'll think even i talked to my dad earlier this evening it sounded like he was going to try to get over this week and try to get some in the ground so yeah soon we'll just broadcast it and hope to get a rain on it but yeah man i hope we do get some rain this next two oh, weeks man. Forecast looks pretty brutal, man. It's especially for early June. Oh, man. Uh, it's going to put us in a pinch if we don't get some rain here because once July hits, yeah. you know, it tends to shut off. So if we don't get our rain now, we might be hurting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm hoping for the best, um, but we'll see. You know, I'll probably put this, get this planted next there this week on Thursday and probably won't get any rain on it so it won't do anything anyways but, <laughs> but i guess that's, that's the way it goes maybe like, when it when it does rain it'll come up i guess so yeah just get it in the ground and pray for rain it'll it'll work out but yeah uh, could use some moisture though yeah definitely definitely yeah i got some trail cams up too so i know you know we've, we've talked about trail cams on this podcast before and yeah, so you got some new ones picked up. And yeah, man, I'm, got, I'm kind of getting a little more into the game this year. You know, we, for years, you know, we've just kind of, I don't know, uh, I guess, I don't know, we just haven't haven't run a lot of trail cams um, for probably a multitude of reasons. But um, I don't know, I just, I, I, I've come to the conclusion that, you know, I don't have a lot of time um you know i've got a little kid now and, and so try to use my time as as effectively as i can and you know just kind of realize that you know just another tool in the toolbox those trail cams can be really beneficial just helping you know where the deer are moving you know what what stands might be benefit you know might be good at certain times you know those types of things to sort of maximize your time when you're out there you know i mean obviously anything can happen at any time i mean that that just is what it is deer can go wherever they want but you know if you at least have kind of an idea i think that makes a big difference and so just kind of tried to i think I'm, i might even get a couple more i got four new cameras and so i had i put all those out this last weekend and or last week i guess um, just more and more of just kind of observation spots right now, you know, just kind of seeing what's out there this summer. And then I think towards the fall, I'll try to move them to a little bit more, uh, um, purposeful locations, I guess, yeah. try to yeah. get a little bit more lead on what's, what's going on at different spots, but. Yep. Um, exactly. And I know you guys run a lot of cameras and obviously they have been very beneficial for you guys. So. They yeah. have like. Like you said, not only is it nice being able to, you know, kind of get a feel for the patterns for deer and stuff. It's been beneficial for that to know, you know, what's moving and when. But I just think it's fun just to you get certain deer that stick around year after year that you kind of build a history with. Um, and it's always fun just to have those on camera, see how they change through the years. Um, it's been really cool to watch that. But no, trail cams have definitely benefited us to to see when deer are moving, you know, where at, um, if you're not doing them, it's, you know, it's a, I know, uh, I know a lot of people don't like using them just cause they think it, you know, kind of takes away from the hunt, especially those, you know, old trad guys sometimes bash them, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, those, takes away from the hunt, but yeah, I know, I know one of those. No. <laughs> no. Yeah, I, I know, I know it, but, uh, yeah. no i nothing against that i no no I, i'm 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 by no means a trail cam freak to where i'm just yeah going nuts over them but it is cool to you know 
know exactly to be able to pinpoint especially when you're pressing for time with school with work or whatever to know you know to kind of have some of that scouting done for you um to where you can pinpoint deer know when they're moving and you know know what areas to avoid um you know it, it's huge that way like you said time is you know when it comes to hunting time is about the most precious thing that you have so if you can have that tool that cuts down on your scouting time and and uh, makes your job easier of deciding where to hunt. Um, you can't go wrong with it, really. And uh, nothing against those guys who don't like using them. I, no. I can definitely see that point of view. Um, who eats their own? That at all, but but, uh, but no, I, I I agree. Yeah, we do run some cameras. We don't get after it too hardcore quite yet. But when late July rolls around, we'll probably start tossing them out, seeing what's around. Yeah, I just kind of threw these up, and I thought I'll leave them till end of July, and because I figured by then you're probably gonna see what you're gonna see. You know, I mean that. Yep. I think probably about ninety percent of their antler growth is done by the end of July. Um, I don't know the official stats on that. Don't quote me, but I'm sure it's got to be close to that. I mean, I don't know if they grow too much more in August, and, um, but uh, probably a little bit, but um. But yeah, I mean, I think, uh, like you said, I think that's, uh, yeah, just uh, cuts down the scouting time. I just think it, it it's makes a big difference. And, and again, yeah, just to see what's out there. That's really cool. I mean, you know, in past years, we've just, like I said, we've had up a couple and just kind of see what's around. It's just always fun to, you know, uh, text my dad or be like, hey, did you check the camera? Like, yeah, I got some pictures, you know, and so they don't send pictures oh man just i don't know just really cool and then you know and then you find sheds and it's like this year we found you know found a couple uh you know it's fun for two reasons number one is you know you'll find a shed and i'll look at it and i'll be like hmm you know and then i'm like oh i think that's this deer you know and then i'll pull up yep. the, the trail cam you know, like sure enough that's that's the that's that deer and then there's the flip side of that too where uh, my buddy uh, we we're up turkey hunting um, in April, my buddy Neil found really nice four-point shed. I mean, really like 130 plus inch deer, four by four, and and uh, and you know I looked through every single picture we had. I have no idea what deer that is, and so it's also cool from that standpoint of like, you know, that there's always you know there's always something out there that you don't know about. You know, I mean, exactly. you may think you got them all tagged or think you got them all uh, pinpointed and, and you don't, you know, there's, there's always, uh, there's always, always more, but so anyways, it's just kind of cool, but um, yeah, I don't know what, uh, what else we got to talk about? I guess we kind of, you know, on a few things here. Um, Talked about shooting, stand in shape. Um, I guess one thing we could touch on um, is just, uh, you know, I, I think especially guys our age, um, I would really, really encourage people, if you don't have a strategy right now for applying for out-of-state hunts, you need to have one. Yeah. <laughs> start start researching because yep. tags are only getting harder to get yep now you know i feel like i started about five to ten years too late honestly yep. which i just started um so you know even some of you younger guys that are listening to this you know yeah start getting points now start getting preference points in states that you want to hunt because even even if i look at you kyle even if you're a dad I would start buying your kids points because they, the way point creep is going in a lot of States, they will never touch those tags if they don't get started before, you know, they're in their teens probably. Yeah. Um, It's only getting harder to get tags. So do your research. You could go into, we could go into every state, but I will say across the board, every state it's getting harder to get tags. Um, There's a lot of even over the counter units that are going to draw. Um, And, within a few years, it's going to be several points to get them. I mean, by the time we're, you know, older. Um, so yeah, bottom line is start applying, start buying points, do some research. Yeah. Um, Cause if you want to go hunt out West, 
Um, if you're not a resident out there, it's, it's going to be dang tough if you're a non-resident. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, on the flip side of that too is, you know, pay attention to your, your own state too. And the opportunities we have here. I mean, you know, I, I, I know like, you know, here in a couple of weeks, the, you know, you can put in for your Nebraska elk tag. I mean, don't, don't let those opportunities go. Yeah. You, 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 you know, that's a once in a lifetime deal. Like, and, you know, and I know Nebraska doesn't, they don't do their preference points the same way some other states do. I mean, you just basically get the squared of however many points you have is how many yeah. times your name's in the hat. But, but, uh, but I mean, obviously the more you have, the more, the better your chances are going to be. And so exactly. yeah. I would just say, you know, take advantage of those opportunities too. And, you know, if you haven't started putting in for a Nebraska elk tag, do that. If you know, if you're, if you, whatever, I mean, that, that's really the only one you, that takes points, I guess, points, so to speak. Cool. I'm making air quotes points. Yeah. I guess theoretically you can draw it. Your first pretty, year. Much a, pretty much a raffle and uh, yeah. to sum it up and put it in layman's terms, if you've been applying for five years and I've been applying for two, you have 25 raffle tickets and I have four. So yep, exactly. that's how that works. You square your however many years you've been applying and it just gives you that many, uh, that much more chance. So. Yep. Exactly. So. so yeah, anyways, just a quick touch on that, I guess, if you if you don't have a strategy, you gotta get one. And yep. you need to you need to start now. Don't don't wait. Um, you know, I know it's money. Um, you know, I, I always find it funny that you have to buy a buy a non resident hunting license in pretty much every state if you want to put in for a point, which I think is just kind of silly, honestly. But yeah. Um, but you know, the other side of it too is. And this is how I sort of treat it. It's like, you know what? Fine. Take my money. It's used for wildlife conservation. But it's going to a good cause. And, like, and it's not going to be used on, uh, you know, on some uh, uh, urban city development project. No, it's used exactly. for wildlife conservation. So I'm okay with and that. So. You know what? Your hunting tag, if it costs, you know, they're anywhere from usually like 60 to like 160, somewhere yeah. in there. Yeah. You can spend a hundred bucks on a hunt license. Don't go out to eat a couple times. I, I promise you the point that you buy or the tag application that you put in for is going to be much more worth it. Just learn to save money. Um, you can find ways to save money. I can assure you that cut costs in other areas. If you really want points that bad. Um, you know, like you said, it's going to a good cause, the hunt license and stuff. And, you know, a lot of those is is uh like Colorado. You can go fishing with that with your hunting license. Yeah. So, apply in Colorado, you got your fishing license right there. Go if you get out there for a vacation or anything, then there you go. It's paid for. So, but, no. Yeah, you know the only other thing I would say about that is, excuse me, um, if you uh, you know, do have a strategy though. Find a, find a source, find a resource. You know, I use Eastman's pretty frequently. Um, yep, Eastman's they, is a good uh, one. Yep, and they do a good good job of kind of laying out different states and different things. But but have a strategy, understand the point system, understand how, you know, no, yep, there, there's no. a lot of nuanced things to different states, and they're all there different. Are. I mean, it's just, just all dependent on what you're looking for. You know, are you looking just for opportunity? Are you looking for a big bull? Are you looking you know, just for, just for an average middle of the middle hunt for your, for your first hunt. Um, that's all going to depend on how many points you need. And, uh, like you said, there's several resources. There's Eastman's tag hub. There's, there's go hunt. There's top rut. I mean, there's several places you can look, but do your research and know what it's going to take to pull a tag and narrow it down to a few areas to, you know, exactly what you're looking for. Um, if you just want to go and kill a raghorn and, your options are, you know, you're in the hundreds, but if you were wanting to go find a trophy bowl and kind of wait a few years, it's going to take a little more research to figure out, you know, what states, what units, um, because yep. every state's different. Um, yep. We could go on and on. We could do an hour and a half podcast on each state, like the Elk Talk podcast yeah. does, but yeah. just a 10,000 foot overview. Um, look yep. at your state, what you're looking for. 
narrow it down to a few units and do your research. Yep. And there's plenty of information out there, more than more than you could ever even shake a stick at at your fingertips by just getting on Google and yep. you know looking at this stuff. But for sure. Absolutely, man. Well, I think we've already uh, touched on everything I had. You got anything, got any other thoughts or things you want to talk about? Or I don't think so, man. Just talking about this stuff gets me pumped up. It's, uh, yeah, I, I think, I like I said, this time of year isn't easy not having anything to hunt, but it's starting to become almost just like part of the hunting season now where this eight, ten weeks between seasons is just going hard you know getting in shape and shooting as much as i possibly can and doing your research on what hunts you got coming up and yep just all part of the journey absolutely man absolutely um well i guess with that man i just i put a one more plug in you know keep an eye out for more information on the jamboree guys and if you've never been there i'm telling you you've got to come check it out like it is fantastic like it is a, a wonderful wonderful time there's wonderful people there um you know reach out to one of us if you've never been there if you have questions um you know our facebook uh page is pretty responsive or reach out to us on instagram or whatever if you guys yeah. have questions um more than happy to or send us an email whatever um, more than happy to yeah so if you've never been there, I promise you the NBA is so welcoming that yeah. you'll have you'll have so many close friends by in the first two hours that you're there that you'll yeah. you're worried about not going because you don't because you don't know anybody. Don't even factor that in because everyone's gonna be welcoming you into your camp, handing you food. Yep. You know, telling you to come hang out. So if you've never been there and you're afraid because you don't know anybody, don't worry about that. Just get there because you won't regret it. Absolutely, man. For sure. So, good deal. Well, I guess uh, with that, we'll wrap things up here, man. So, anything else? Any other issues, thoughts, buddy? Got anything? Not, not that I can think of, unless you got anything. No, no. Well, with that, this is Kyle Clomer. This is Zach Welch. And this is? Good Life Bowhunter, official podcast of the NBA. See you next time, guys.